With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Jess Bina, your host, and I'm the founder of Intersections Match, the only matchmaking and dating coaching company focused on South Asian singles throughout North America. As a dating coach and matchmaker, I'm always interested in fresh perspectives from authors, researchers, and experts to help me provide unparalleled service to our clients. And I'm very excited to welcome Brian Howie to our show today. Brian is an author, director, producer, and creator of How to Find Love in 60 Seconds, creator of the groundbreaking number one off-Broadway sensation pieces, which enjoys, which enjoys sold-out runs across the world, and the creator of the unique Great Love Debate. On today's show, we'll be discussing Brian's book, How to Find Love in 60 Seconds, as well as his unique Great Love Debate Tour. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Jasmine. How are you? It's great to have you on. And let's start out with what prompted you to write the book, How to Find Love in 60 Seconds? Well, I had been in Hollywood for many, many years, working with a lot of actors and actresses. And I realized that a lot of uh, people are hiding behind certain masks and certain personas, and they really weren't Mm -hmm. um, embracing who their true selves were. And a lot of that trickled down to their relationships and and sort of their dating fates. So I I interviewed 1,500 women over about 10 years, and I realized that that women are absolutely 100% in control of their own dating lives, and either they do not want that power or they do not recognize that power or they don't know how to act on that power. So I decided to write it down in a book and uh, lay it all out and how uh, in 60 seconds you can make certain decisions and change your life. Wow. Well, tell me, what are some of what are some of the key action steps to for someone who wants to find find love in those sixty seconds? What would you well, tell you know, those Facebook? Love in sixty seconds is not about a it's not about a quickie. It's not about anything like that. It really mm-hmm. is. Right. So in the course of any day, there are about five or six sixty second periods of time where if you understand that opportunities are in front of you and you know how to act Mm -hmm. on them, recognize them, and most importantly not kill them, that you can make certain decisions in 60 seconds 
that can either create a spark or not kill a spark and that can create love that may not have been there already. And then what you do after you've created that love is sort of different and that's on you. I don't, I don't teach how to keep it. I teach how to find it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, so now based on your book, what are some of the mistakes people are making in really killing that spark in those five or six opportunities they're getting on a daily basis? What are they doing to just kill that spark? Yeah, go ahead. They're really putting up a wall around themselves, whether it's a wall, a metaphorical wall of baggage or a physical wall okay. to, basic, to basically think that during the course of my day, I will not meet anybody. And as I say in the book, during the course of any given day in any normal city in a normal day, that you are within 10 yards of 1,000 people of the opposite sex. So if you learn to recognize that that's a fact and notice them and figure out, well, maybe there's only a handful of people, uh, five or six people that you could, you know, potentially fall in love with, well, you'll certainly wake up the next day looking for those five or six people versus just assuming nobody is out there. And that's an assumption a lot of people make. Oh, I love that. Tell me in terms of this, I'm going to go deeper with respect to this metaphysical or physical, you know, wall of baggage. Give me, give me one or two examples of how, You've seen this demonstrated. How how are people doing this? They may not be aware of it even. So what what well, are they I mean, doing? doing? You know, a lot of women really really don't understand how unapproachable they really are, and a lot of it is mm-hmm. facial expression, body language, buried in your phone, and either consciously or subconsciously, you're making it more difficult for a potential suitor, a man, to approach you, even to say hello. And I think that that is a protective mechanism that we all have. We're all afraid. We all have our neuroses. We all have our histories. And the more you sort of learn to let that go or at least, you know, smile through the pain, the more these opportunities will be presented to you. All right. Well, let's, um, you know, I want to take this opportunity to move, uh, move to the unique great love debate that you've been spearheading throughout North America. And right. I want to first ask you, what, um, what is the great love debate, and what led to your coming up with this idea? Well, in my book, How to Find Love in 60 Seconds, uh, was scheduled to come okay. out in January. I thought I can either go on my book tour by myself and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, have 30 people in a Barnes & Noble and do a reading, or I can uh, – bring up this, 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 some of the subjects and some of the, the key points to the book in a forum where there are other voices and where we have an audience of, you know, a couple hundred people able to react instantly to a lot of the material and a lot of the theories that are brought up in the book. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a producer at heart, so I always like the town hall style format where, where people sort of, there's give and take and there's questions and answers and, and getting people in a room, so you really get the immediate reaction. If somebody, somebody reads my book in the comfort of their living room, that's great, but I sort of want to see the reactions and hear the reactions as we raise a lot of these issues, and that's sort of where the idea for the Great Love Debate came about. Oh, I had no, that's brilliant. Okay, I had, well now, do I understand correctly that you've done, is it about 50 shows uh, throughout North America uh, at this point? Do I have that next, right, or? Next Wednesday uh, in Santa Barbara, California, is our 50th show, yes. Okay, that'll so be we've 50th done, show. Wow. Our 50th okay. show next, next Wednesday. So we've done 49 since, uh, since January. 49, okay. So, um, okay, well, let me ask you about that then. In terms of the 50 shows, 
why, um, and I know the, the topic of the 50 shows, right, is, is why do you think everyone's still single? So now right. having done 49 shows, we'll take that 49. Now having done 49 shows, why, um, why do you think everyone's still single? Well, at its core, the men, the women want the men to try harder and the, women want, and the men want the women to make it easier. And I believe that there has been a rise over the last 10 years in the, the independence and the masculine energy of women, and the men okay. have sort of become more sensitive, more afraid, and uh, that has sort of thrown things out of whack where, you know, it really has, has led to a lot of the, either the unapproachability of women or the failure of men to sort of step up their game to meet that. The second part of that equation is that there has been a rise in online dating and social media and people have learned to hide behind their profiles and their devices and their Facebook pages and they're really not forced to engage and interact anymore and that really has has led to a lot of these sparks that I talked about earlier not happening because people are not interacting in a fashion that they did 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's it. So almost rushing through your day to get home and get online or whatever. Meanwhile, missing all those opportunities from, you know, from throughout the day. And instead just, you know, focus on just rushing through things to get there purposely to get your computer and do online day, that kind of a thing or, or any that, of these that's other. That's right. People, people um, need some sort, of, some sort of affirmation, some sort of yes, some sort of signal to, to be approached. You, you go to a bar now <laughs> on a Friday night at 11 o'clock and half of the bar is on Tinder in the bar, meaning they need some sort of signal that it's okay to interact and engage and talk and say hello, and, and that's just going the wrong way. So what um, – I'm going to throw this at you. I've, I've, I've heard this. What, um, what is what, – give, give us one signal that uh, – so, you know, you said that women want men to try harder. Men want women to make it easier. Anything you can think of off the top of yeah, off the cuff that women can do to make it easier for men, let's say in that proverbial bar you just mentioned or anywhere else, to, uh, to approach them? First of all, get off your phone. Second of all, understand that if you're in a group with your girlfriends and you have sort of created a little box or triangle of three or four of you, <laughs> it is very, very uh-huh. hard for a man to approach it, a very hard to man. So you need to open up your body language, open up that, and give them some sort of, you know, fun, flirty, flirtatious, friendly, playful signal that it is okay to approach. Men are not going to approach just because you look at them. They're not going to approach just because you smile at them. You know, as you heard me say at the Great Love Debate, I recommend a woman sticks out her tongue at a man just like she's in third grade. And I believe that that is a signal to a man that works every time. I believe it is playful. I believe it's sporting. It challenges the man to come into your space versus going to him. And it really puts the wall down. It takes us down to a place of fun versus a place of sexual or defensive or any of those other things. Yeah, and it's wholly unexpected. So that in and of itself kind of, uh, you know, um, does that trick. Well, now have you noticed any patterns? I've noticed with the great love debate, there's, um, yeah, there can be a, a range. I think I've seen anything from like the 20s to 50s, possibly 60s, I'm not sure, but 20s. So you, you've seen a different, you know, you've seen different, you've heard different age groups. Um, have you noticed any patterns in differences among different age groups um, with respect to any well, aspects of dating? When we, when we first started this tour, you know, we started, uh, mm-hmm. the farther south we got, the younger the crowds got. 
So when we did the East Coast, we we started in Boston and we worked our way down. And by the time we got to Philadelphia or Washington, D.C., we sort of thought that we had arrived at a consensus that a man should never ask a woman out via text. And I thought that that was one thing that we could sort of put in ink, that that was right. But then when we got farther south and some of the women in our audience were sort of 32 and younger and people in their 20s, that demographic only wants to be asked out by text. They think a phone call is too intimate, it is too vulnerable, they're only part of a phone call. So what we thought was sort of a given that a man should pick up the phone, that's sort of age and generation specific. And at the age of about 32, that flips and that changes. And, And so... It's really confusing for a man who's, who's maybe 35, and some of the women he dates are 37, and some of the women he dates are 29, and he has no idea which she prefers. That is so interesting. So do you, did you find in terms of, um, you know, so let's talk about some regional differences. You mentioned that in terms of, have you, with these 32-year-olds, are they particularly southern ones, or you found this to actually, well, you know, from the east to the west, from I mean, the north to the south? It, it, it's yeah. sort of all over the place, but, but you know, when we okay. got to Atlanta, there were yeah. 25-year-olds at our shows who were absolutely beside themselves that they were still single, that they couldn't believe. You know, they'd been a bridesmaid six times, and there must be something wrong with them at 25 that they weren't married. And I thought that that was a, a really sad and unfortunate and sort of destructive way to look at things. I mean, you know, they don't mind getting divorced because that means the marriage failed. But if they don't get married, mm-hmm. that means they that means they failed, and that's the mentality they have that I think is just frightening and wrong. That, yeah, because I bet you know, like on the east northeast, that was just sort of you know that's that's so interesting. Um, okay, well let me um, let me find out of any parents. I know that you've been in Canada and, you know, and throughout the U.S., have you noticed yeah. any patterns and differences among, you know, singles a um, little bit up north in Canada versus, um, you know, versus the U.S.? Well, you know, in the, in the, in, in, in simple, the, the people in the, in the West Coast are sort of okay. frustrated. And in the Northeast, they're sort of mad. And in the South, they're sort of sad. And in the in Canada, what I noticed was they were hopeful, and uh, maybe that's because our Canadians are, are sort of generally nice people, and they were really a lot more hopeful, both men and women, that if they could just bridge the disconnect of communication and confidence, that everything would be okay. A lot of people in a lot of the cities, especially the Northeast, want to blame the city. They want to say there's no good men here, there's no good women here, this is a tough town to date, where, yeah. you know, the Midwest wasn't like that. Canada wasn't like that. They sort of took personal responsibility that if they can just make a change in, in mindset or attitude or approach that they could probably find some success. And that was really nice to hear. You know, Los Angeles, San Diego, those cities where we've done a few shows, they're still very two-dimensional places. It's still a lot of look but don't touch and still very check each other out and and, you know, that sort of leads to, to less interaction, which is never a good thing either. Interesting. Those are, those are really interesting differences. What, um, you know, having done 49 shows, what are some of the most memorable anecdotes from, from any of those shows? Um, those that just, you know, you're still kind of musing about now. Well, we did, we did a show in, uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
which is my hometown, okay. actually. And oh, um, okay. Bravo, Bravo Television was shooting the show, so it was kind of an interesting dynamic, too, because not everybody wanted to be on television. And yes. a, woman, a woman stood up in the crowd and said, what do you do if you go on a date and you have a nice time and the man says he's going to call you and he doesn't call you? And everybody thought, yeah, that's fairly normal. And then she says, yeah. what, do you do, what do you do if that man is here tonight? And the women <laughs> demanded that he show his face. They demanded that he, that he oh, should raise his And he oh, did. Goodness. And to, okay. to his credit, he stood up. He raised his hand. He said, I just didn't like you, and I was trying to be nice. And the men rallied around him. Because we see the yeah. men on one side, we see the women. And then the men were like, He's trying to be nice, and the women just looked at that as another lie. They looked at that that you lied to. That's still a lie. And you know, at his core, he 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 just didn't know how to communicate in a in a proper fashion. He didn't mean he was a bad guy. He didn't mean he was trying to, you know, hurt her. He just didn't know how to say that he wasn't interested. So he went with his sort of default, which is I'll give you a call, not understanding that to a woman that reads as a promise, and uh, sure. and it all led down from there. Wow, that is, wow. Okay, so what, um, you know, anything surprised you that, you know, you kind of, um, like you said, you know, one of those you had mentioned with respect to the text that you had kind of said, okay, I've concluded that, you know, text does not work in terms of asking someone out, and then later you were, um, you know, you heard the feedback that, wow, you know, no, actually text uh, is better than phone at, at very early stages um, from the younger women in the South. Or from the, so what are, anything else that surprised you that you've learned over the course of these 49 shows? We had a hypothesis and it was completely empirically disproved by, by what you heard from, from the men and women in the audience. Anything I'm like that at all? I'm, I'm surprised at how women understand that a man does not think the same way they do and don't care and forget. And they assume that he knows what they're thinking. And they assume that their body language is readable. They know that he doesn't, yet they still go about their, their dating lives assuming that the man knows, the man knows what they're thinking. And, uh, and uh, I think that's just crazy. Why do, why do you think? I'm just curious now. With still a, why, why do you think? Um, any, any sort of guesses or hypotheses as to why? You know, like they might be intellectually aware but not uh, – not quite putting it into practice, it sounds like, or applying it at all? Well, again, a lot of people don't take personal responsibility for their own, own dating fates. Okay. And they, uh, <laughs> so, the, you know, the, the women want to put it on the, you know, the, the guys are jerks and the women are crazy and blah, blah, blah. It goes back to, to yeah. that. So if, if you, it, it can't be that you didn't say it right. It must be that he didn't hear it right or vice versa. And, you know, mm, it comes okay. back to, to communication and confidence and hope and leaving your past behind. You know, one thing that women say a lot, and they're not wrong to say it, but they do say it. They say, I would rather be alone than be in a bad relationship. And I completely agree with that. However, mm-hmm. men, never, men never say that because men don't look at that as the only two choices. Men look at the choices mm-hmm. as good, rela- mm-hmm. good relationship, bad relationship, and no relationship. Like, there's three even things. So when they go on a date... Men are looking for green lights. The women are looking for red flags. And that sort of, again, leads to, you know, a lot of people are nervous on the first couple of dates. So, so that is really yeah. not a true, you know, you've got to give people chances. You've got to work through it. You've got to do all those things. 
I love that. So it's almost like the, um, yeah, it's almost like the guys are, are sort of trying to rule in and the women are kind of using those things to kind of rule out and to kind of. Um, well, they are. Now, this is, they are. Yeah. I, when the, I totally agree. That's this, a good way to put it. Yeah. Now, this, now, this is interesting. You, you know, you wrote the book. And then, you know, you went on tour and you're doing these fascinating, um, you know, ex- almost experiments, you know, with, with the singles. And, and now having done the 49 after, after uh, writing the book, um, any, have your views changed at all, uh, you know, since writing the book, having seen kind of what, what people are saying out there? Or is it a um, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised, and, you know, I'm, I'm still single myself, so I've learned a lot about myself. Okay. I'm surprised, and I probably shouldn't be, how men's confidence is really shattered. And, uh, huh. and I, always, I always say this. I, I, 10% of men are sort of naturally confident enough to, to approach any women and to do any of that, but most of those guys are jerks. There's, there's mm-hmm. another much, much larger pool of men who can be confident if the woman creates an environment where that confidence can flourish. And, and I believe that most men can be confident, but for whatever reason, they've sort of lost that along the way. And, you know, that needs to be, most be repaired by, by them taking chances and them not being afraid and them getting outside of their comfort zone and not being afraid of rejection and just sort of going for it. And on the other flip side, the women need to know that, you know, not every man who approaches you is going to hurt you, is not going to be a jerk, and is not going to do all these things. It really is about both sides learning to let their guard down and keep moving forward and keep dating and keep trying. Excellent. Now, based on your learnings over these 49 shows and even the interviews that you did, consider, you know, 1,500, you know, 1,500 interviews that you did, you know, for in, in the course of writing your book, what if I were to say your top maybe two or three tips to women, and I know you've actually mentioned quite a few throughout this, but if you could just encapsulate the top two or three tips you tell to our women listeners, um, you know, given given everything you've you've mentioned in terms of the challenges well, I, and in terms you know, of the environment. Yeah. I don't I don't believe that a woman should ask a man out. That's me, I'm probably wrong. Most people disagree with me. That's my personal philosophy. But what you should do okay. is let him know that he can ask you out. A lot of women are very frustrated that especially in Match.com, you know, the men uh-huh. who want to go back and, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, emailing, and the women get frustrated at that. I say that after, you know, two or three interactions, simply say, I will tell you when I see you. And what that let, lets him know is, I want to see you. Please ask me out. And, and so that is not you asking him out. That's, not, that's just letting him know, okay, it's time for you to ask me out, and I'm going to say yes. And a lot of women don't do that. Also, on a first, okay. on a first, after a first date, don't assume just because you laughed and you touched his arm and you said that was, I had a really nice time, thank you. Don't assume that that's enough for him to ask you out again. He needs to hear the words, I would like to do it again, can't wait to do it again. Because he, if he just simply gets a thank you, well, if you have manners and you had a bad time, you should still say thank you. So he needs mm-hmm. to literally hear the words, I would like to see you. The first couple of dates, the man is complimenting the woman. The man is asking her, uh, the woman out. The man is doing all that. And all he needs is a little bit of feedback that he's doing the right thing, that he can make you happy, that he, there's a roadmap here that he can succeed. And a lot of mm-hmm. men, you know, I always make the joke that all a guy knows is what the last girl made her happy, and he probably found that out too late. 
So let him know what, uh-huh. what he needs to do to make you happy. He's not a mind reader. He can't figure it out from your body language. Be specific, but be, be playful, and most importantly, be encouraging. Say it to him in a positive, reinforcing fashion, and a man will do anything you want. You know, I love that because especially, you know, this I will tell you when I see you because I find a lot of men are almost sort of waiting for permission, right? So it's not that they don't necessarily want to ask someone out online, but they, you know, over the course of, you know, over the course of their interactions, there have been women who have like completely slammed that or, you know, um, concerned about their, you know, their safety and their security and, and, and all of that. So um, I love that she said that. And I love the I would like to do it again because I think there's a lot of stuff out there, basically. And, you know, people have gone through the, you know, play hard to get and all of this stuff, which um, I think has make it, made it harder for us to kind of interact authentically. So, um, so I love that. And I want to find out what are your top two or three tips for the men um, in terms of navigating this? Uh, don't be afraid. You're probably going to get rejected, okay? Uh, we had a very smart panelist who did a bunch of our shows. His name is Thomas Edwards. He believes that your yes, lives in the land of no. And what that means is assume you're going to get a no, but every time you dive in there, you might get lucky and find a yes. There's nothing wrong with being rejected. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. Keep the, you know, what's the worst she's going to say if you approach her? And approach her in a way that is not sexual and is not predatory. It is also fun. Go up to her and you know, compliment her bag and shoes. Show that she has good style. Show something about her. Talk to her about something that is not specifically about her face or her body. You know, mm-hmm. engage her in conversation about stuff. Ask her for directions. Don't be afraid to just say hello. And if she has a problem with hello, that probably wasn't going to work out anyway. Excellent. I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us, Brian. And I'm wondering if there's any, you know, last thoughts, any take-home message you'd like to leave our listeners, men and women alike with. Yeah, understand that the men are equally as frustrated as you are, and men, and understand that the women are equally frustrated. We are all going through a tough time. We all lack confidence. We all have trouble communicating. Just keep at it. Don't be afraid to ask for help either, especially, you know, if you're dating online, don't be afraid to get help with your profiles. You know, you're not Mm -hmm. a writer. Not everybody's a writer. Don't be afraid to ask strangers or professionals or dating coaches or matchmakers for help. It is a, you know, it is a rough go for all of us, but there's people out there for everybody, and as a matter of fact, there's lots of people out there for everybody. And uh, if you keep your head up and you say hello and you recognize, act on, and most importantly, don't kill the opportunities every single day, you can find love in 60 seconds. I love that. Five or six opportunities every day. Um, thanks, Brian. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Jasmina. And in case you joined us late or would like to share this show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Hey, Brian, would you, would you like to share any website with our listeners as well? Okay, I think we lost. I think we lost Brian. Appreciate you hanging out with us, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Take care, everyone.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.